Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, starting with the recap. We do this every single Monday during the NFL season. A quick whip around. It seems to me it's only fitting that another huge NFL Sunday, and there were some things that were good, there were some things that were great, and there were some things that were not great at all. But a big day nonetheless, and it ends with a primetime showcase of one of the biggest superstars in the Shield. And of course, I'm talking about one, Justin Tucker. Nobody should be surprised that Tucker stole the show from Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson last night because there has never been anything more automatic than Justin Tucker in a big spot. What do we know about what's undefeated in the history of time? Father time is undefeated, never beaten. Sex is undefeated, never beaten, never tied, never even trailed and around. Yeah, we'll add Justin Tucker in big spots to that as well. This dude is undefeated in big spots, literally. This dude never misses. He doesn't just have the highest field goal percentage ever. He's now 17 for 17 in the final minute of regulation in his career. And the guy's hit 61 consecutive field goals in the fourth quarter in overtime. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's a joke. In other words, he's not just the best kicker ever. He is lapping the field. And so it was the least surprising ending ever when this dude came up with the game on the line, and he smoked it right down the middle, and he walked it right off. Tucker trying to send the hometown fans home happy. Here's the snap, ball down, kick is on the way from Tucker, and it is good, and the Ravens win. Justin Tucker from 43, and the Ravens win it 19-17. Westwood won, and absolutely gut-wrenching for the Bengals and their fans. But not to the big head and eye, because we went Bengals plus three. Just saying. Big head had another big weekend. I had a big weekend. If you're not listening to that podcast, Jim Rome's Big Head Bets, you are missing out. Then again, back to Tucker for a minute. Because nobody deserved it more. Of course, Tucker was the one who got that post-game interview on SNF a.k.a. the one reserved for the biggest star in that game. What matters is seeing the ball snapped with 12 o'clock laces from Nick Moore, seeing the ball spotted cleanly from Jordan Stout, his first career game-winning hold. And then uh, from there, I'm just a system kicker. The ball kicks itself at that point. Uh, And all all we're really thinking about is those things that are going to make the kick. All the feelings and stuff, we can enjoy them after the fact. Wow. This dude's like the most interesting kicker ever. Quote, I'm just a system kicker. The ball kicks itself at this point. I'm just a system kicker. What a great line. I don't know whether he's trolling us or he's the most humble dude ever. The most humble, modest dude who ever lived. But I know this much. Those kicks do not kick themselves. They go in because the goat kicks them. So the kicking goat stole the show in prime time while the QB goat needed his own set of rules to hang on for dear life against the so-called fail clowns. Fail clowns. I shouldn't even be doing that. You know, for the longest time, I thought that was the lamest gloss ever. Fail clowns. Like, we mocked that guy for years for coming on this show with that. But now it works? 
Now it's acceptable. Now I kind of like it. Anyway, for once, you were the ones, fail clowns, making that crazy comeback. Instead of the ones suffocating and gagging and dying right there on the field. The ATL, in the process of a shocking comeback on so many levels, and then the GOAT got bailed out by the Zebras. Brady retreats. Looky, looky, here comes Grady Jarrett. You shall not pass. Surely they didn't call slinging him down. Oh, yes, this they did. This will be a horrendous call. This is going to be a horrendous call. They're going to call Grady Jarrett for slinging down Brady on this sack. This is not the intention of the call. You will not see a worse play than this call. It's in reaction to the Tua Tungabaloa play. It's a very similar type action, but not nearly the severe sling the quarterback to the ground scenario. It's just simply Grady wrapping him up and falling to the ground. A horrible call by Jerome Boger and this officiating crew. Brutal. Fair. Falcons radio. I would love to pile on the home call, but that dude was right about everything he just said. Like, you know, I hate focusing on the ref show. Hate that. To me, it's so lazy. It's so convenient. It's what people do when they've got nothing better to do and a microphone in front of their face. I hate that. But there's no way around this. The ref show screwed the Falcons. That is the worst call of the season by far. That is the worst roughing the passer call I've ever seen. That flat out is one of the worst calls ever in a pro football game. Just because Bacon 45 is geriatric and missing half of his face does not mean that you're not allowed to sack the dude, that you're not allowed to tackle the dude, that you're not allowed to touch the dude. There are no special in-the-pocket rules for human scarecrows playing quarterback. Like, I've always hated the phrase, why not just put flags on these guys? But why not? At least in the case of this guy. If this is how it's going to go, why not just put flags on that Kevin Bacon lookalike? And a red jersey while you're at it. Because clearly you are not allowed to touch KB45. And even worse than the call itself was Boger's explanation for the call itself after the game. And I quote, what I had was the defender grabbed the quarterback while he was still in the pocket and unnecessarily throwing him to the ground. ground. End of quote. Brutal. Sir, what you just described is known as a sack. It's a sack. He didn't quote unnecessarily throw bacon 45 to the ground that's called doing his job his job is to bring down the quarterback there was nothing excessive about that even the dirty bird himself jamal anderson came out to flame the refs and bacon 45 jamal said quote no player in the history of this league has benefited more from horrible calls from referees than Tom Brady. It began with the talk. It continues today with the birds getting effed. Lovely. The birds did get effed. But then again, maybe the birds should not be trailing by three touchdowns in the first place. Maybe try not being down 21 nothing next time. Although apparently doing so actually worked 
because apparently doing so, you bored your opponent to death. Because after that game, Devin White came right out and said it. This is what happened. We lost interest. It was too easy because they were too bad. I just think we just had to have a come-together moment to make sure we finish the game. But, you know, obviously when you beat a team, you know, you kind of, you know, impose your will on them. It can get boring and you can get less aggressive. But we are just trying to stay aggressive. I mean, obviously they're going to make their plays too, but we're just trying to stay aggressive. We just got bored. We lost interest. I'm not sure what's more disrespectful, the roughing the passer call or that comment. As always, my answer is yes. Brutal. So you want to talk about saying the quiet part out loud. As always with the fail clowns, it's add insult to injury and then add another insult. Now, there are some teams, Tampa Bay is not one of them, some teams that do know how to handle their business when they get a boot on somebody's throat, and especially when it happens early on. I'll tell you a team that does not get bored of beating the crap out of other teams. The Buffalo freaking Bills. Shout out to Rick and Buffalo. So I say war to Rick and Buffalo. Rick and Buffalo. So I say war to Rick and Buffalo. Yo, Mafia, how we living? How's the hangover? I know. I know. Totally worth it. The only thing better than being a two-touchdown favorite against Pittsburgh, and that never, ever happens, the Steelers are never two-touchdown dogs, but they are now. The only thing better than being a two-touchdown favorite is curb-stomping the Steelers by five touchdowns, and it could have been so much worse. That boat show could have been so much worse. That boat race, I should say. What a freaking beatdown. What a laser show. It took all of 64 seconds for Josh Allen to unleash a 98-yard bomb to Gabe Davis. That was basically the ball game right there. One minute in. Thanks for coming. Back to throw. Pocket collapsing. Fires a deep one downfield. Looking for Gabe Davis. Makes the catch at midfield. He's going to sail into the end zone. Gabe Davis at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown. Holy mackerel. 98 yards. Touchdown, Gabe Davis on third and 10 at their own two. That's a way to start. Holy mackerel. Holy smokes, Murph. Incredible. Holy Batman. Holy Swiss cheese. Two holy mackerels and a holy smokes in a single call. And that thud that the rest of us heard was the sound of Pittsburgh dropping to one and four. That is the sound of pretty much the first rebuilding year there in decades. At least Kenny Pickett showed some fight. Like this dude literally went down swinging. Dude took them tiny hands hands. and let them go. Yes, there is a tiny hands alarm. There shouldn't be, and I'm not mocking him. But there was so much made of the size of this guy's hands leading up to the draft. We had to come up with a tiny hands alarm. Anyway, he let them tiny hands go. You see the rook throw hands at Shaq Lawson? Like, I don't know whether that's the ballsiest thing I've ever seen or the dumbest thing I've ever seen but at least there's one person on the Steelers that wants to fight even if most of the rest of them look like they're ready to go one two three Cancun and call it a season so I've got a quick question for you do you feel like your anti-perspirant keeps you dry all day long Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray 
has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. I said it, 48 hours. It's incredible. And on top of that, Dove Men Dry Spray feels light, and it's clean on your skin, and it's quick, and it's easy to use, especially when you are on the go. And Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. You know you got to have that. You have to moisturize. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect your skin as well. Truly, take advantage of that. You've got to moisturize. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel, all day. That said, it's not all bad in PA, right? I mean, damn, Philly fan. How does 5-0 feel this morning? Not only that, but the Phillies are in the divisional series. The Eagles are now 5-0, and Philly fan is eyeing up the nearest horse. Philly fan, starving for a horse pie sando right about now. Because the Eagles are undefeated, which is a lot more than I can say for my dude, Kyler Murray's wardrobe. I mean, look good, feel good, feel good, play good, play good, get paid good. You know, the whole Dion thing back in the day? Now, I'm going to get to Dion later on. My man, Kyler, and I'm a Kyler guy, but my man... Wore an L, literally, figuratively, the whole thing. He walked that L into the stadium yesterday. Everybody in that locker room had to know as soon as they saw that lime green bell-bottom suit that it was not going to be their day. It was not going to be a good day, and it was not a good day for the Cards. Thanks in large part, though, to Philly fan. Philly fan showed up in Phoenix and actually forced the Cardinals offense into a silent count multiple times yesterday, just like they did when they came here to SoCal and they took over Rams house. Just like most teams do when they come to Rams house. Actually, that's what I meant. Niners did, Dallas did, everybody does. But per usual, Philly fan is just built differently. They are. And right now, they are fired the hell up. And nobody more so than Philly Eagle coach Nick Sirianni. He showed up to the postgame presser rocking a Mike Schmidt Phillies jersey. The very same Mike Schmidt, who was one of the greatest third basemen ever and was still booed by his own fans for years because, wait for it, you know, They wanted to make him better. Sirianni reps him and then shouts out his favorite horse pie housing fans after that big win on the road. These fans, I I, I tried to go to as many as I possibly could and said thank you because I felt like Washington, right? It it felt like Washington. Kyler Murray was a great player. I I got a lot of respect for him. Um, I could see him struggling sometimes to make calls. We're in Arizona. Man, goodness gracious, we got a five-hour flight back. We're in Arizona, and it came out the, the same way. Man, you should have let Philly fan on that flight back with you. Can you imagine that party? This dude just said, I tried to thank every one of them. You'd still be there right now, coach. There were that many of them. No, check that. There were that many of us. Whether or not you want to adopt me or not, I've forced my way into the family. I'm like, Philly fam, I'm like the foster child that showed up at your door and would not leave. I am one of you. Hey, Dad. Hey, Uncle Philly fan. 
I am one of you. Whether you want me or not, I am now riding shotgun on this bandwagon. Now, I understand. I know how this normally goes, Philly fan. I really do. I've watched this from afar for a long time. I know how it goes. And now that I'm all in and I'm riding shoddy on this bandwagon, we are all liable to take this rig right off the cliff and die a horrific death after our whip bursts into flames and we are all burned to a crisp. I know this. I know how it typically goes for you. Or maybe, just maybe, that's not what's going to happen this year. Maybe, just maybe, we, notice the we, got a pretty stiff test. And we passed it. And we traveled to the desert and took over their house. I understand that we have a lot more football that is still to be played. But maybe, just maybe, this is one of the rare times that's all's well, that ends well, and it ends with me joining you in the streets and smashing horse crap sandos and trying to shimmy up Crisco'd light poles. I'm telling you, I know what I want. I want that. But I want to find this dude, and I want to party with this dude in the streets of Philly when we do finish this thing. No one likes us. No one likes us. Us. No one likes us. We don't care. We're from Philly. Philly. No one likes us. We don't care. I want in on that. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. What's with you, Rome? You already got two teams here in L.A. Hey, look, I'm a free agent. I can do whatever the hell I want. I told you, I don't root. I don't root. I don't root for anything other than something to talk about and my kids and my horses. I'll do whatever the hell I want. I can home for whatever I want because you know what? I am an L.A. native, and I do broadcast from Southern California, but it is a national forum. This has been a nationally syndicated radio program for decades. I can home for whoever the hell I want. And I like what I see from Philly fan and the Eagles, and I have for several weeks. 1-800-636-8686. I mean, I hate to say this about my own, but it's not like there's a lot of people in L.A. rooting for L.A. teams either, right? Otherwise, Matthew Gofford would not have to go to silent counts in his own house like he did against Dallas. And the Cowboys did him and them. Unbelievable. Attention small business owners with 5 to 500 employees. Have you heard of the employee retention credit? You may have overpaid on your payroll taxes. To find out if you qualify, call Omega Accounting Solutions right now. A trusted advocate for small businesses since 2007, Omega has mastered the ERC process to help small business owners recoup paid payroll taxes during the pandemic. To date, Omega has recovered over $400 million in ERC cash for small businesses that were disrupted or shut down during the COVID-19 pandemic. That is up to 26000 per employee and only 10 minutes of your time to see whether or not you qualify. The time to take advantage of this exclusive tax credit is now before the IRS filing window closes or the funds run out. Trust in Omega, a passionate team of seasoned accountants who are on a mission to help you get back the money that you need and deserve. For a free ERC evaluation or if you have any questions about the process, chat with an 
Omega Expert today by calling 800-704-2000 or go to omegataxcredits.com for more information. We are joined by Brandon Staley. Brandon, good to have you back. How are you? Jim, thanks so much for having me, man. All right, so talk to me. How about that? Another tough, stressful Sunday. How did it feel to get out of Cleveland after grinding out a tough, tough road win and moving to 3-2? and two? Yeah, Jim, it was a tough, rugged ball game. Uh, they've got an outstanding team. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for them. And it, it took, you know, a team effort in order to get it done. You know, we got behind 14 nothing on the road, and that's not easy, especially in that environment. And I just thought we came together in all three phases uh, and, and were able to close that thing out. It took, it took everybody. Um, it, was, it was just a tough, rugged game all, all the way around. And, um, you know, I just I love the way that our team competed and, and the way that we finished that game in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, to get a road win like that, uh, it was huge for us. Brandon Staley is joining us. So there were some questions about your ability to consider consistently run the ball coming into the game. How determined were you then to come in and establish that run and maybe even prove a point? Yeah, Jim, it was. It was a statement for our offense because we felt like, you know, we're a work in progress. You know, we, as you know, we had some injuries and it was just kind of getting our offensive line, our tight ends together and finding that right rhythm with our backs. As you know, Austin Eckler, he's a G and we know that we've got the backs to do it, but we just needed to find that right rhythm. And we knew with Clowney and, and Garrett on the edge that we're not just going to be able to go drop back 40 times and, and be able to get out of there with a dub. So, you know, the big thing was trying to, to run the football at a high level, and uh, we got Austin and Josh going. I thought our offensive line, tight ends, wideouts were outstanding, uh, and that physicality in the game I really thought brought us home. I thought Austin Eckler uh, and Josh Kelly were, were fantastic in the game, and our O-line, it was just a gutty, gutty performance, Jim. You know, as you know, Jamari Sawyer, our backup, you know, starting left tackle, and then, you know, Trey Pipkins goes out mid-game, comes back in, and just it was a gritty, um, tough tough win for us. Do you know what, Brandon? You answered the question, but I was going to say Austin Eckler had an enormous game. He went off for 173 yards rushing. He caught an additional four passes for 26 yards and another TD, I was going to say, and you touched on it, but how much of that was a product of those guys up front playing the way that you just mentioned? And then how much of that was about Eckler finding another gear perhaps since the start of the season? I think it's all of it, Jim, that you just said. I think our O-line found a gear yesterday, you know, led by Corey Lindsley, our center, um, who's just such a stud. And then, you know, our guards, I thought Zion Johnson and Matt Filer were really good yesterday in the run game. And, you know, I mentioned Trey and Jamari. And then our tight ends, you know, those, uh, those defensive ends are, are tough. You know, those guys were the number one overall picks in the draft. So Trey McKitty, Gerald Everett, Donald Parham, those guys being able to block those guys, uh, just I thought it was a group effort. And then, you know, Austin just, he had one of those, those performances, Jim, where he was just on one, you know, like where that guy came to the field with a lot of purpose. You know, he's a captain for us. And, and Josh Kelly is a young player who's had a really good season for us, starting in the preseason and then carrying it to the regular season. I thought that he was outstanding yesterday as well, and uh, it was big for our offense. You know, it's interesting that you and I can go this far in the conversation without talking about your quarterback. There's so many positive things to say about Justin Herbert, starting with his toughness, right? He's out there playing with a rib cartilage fracture, something that I initially had never heard of before you described his leadership as quote beautiful how does his willingness to not only play through the pain but play through it and play well how does that impact the rest of the team yeah Jim this guy's just as fierce as you're going to get and his eyes and his actions are are 
you know, his leadership style. And I think, you know, everybody sees him on a day-to-day basis and what he's been able to do since the injury and still practicing, still weightlifting and, you know, first one in, last one out. And then at the game, um, just how competitive he is. And uh, last yesterday, you know, I thought, Jim, there were just a couple key plays in that game where he's able to hit a back where, I mean, the pocket is tight and there's nothing there. And he's able to find Josh out in the flat. And, you know, there's just a couple like pocket presence plays, Jim, where, you know, a lot of quarterbacks, it's a sack fumble, you know, and he's able to step up and, and avoid. And then his ability to find Mike yesterday uh, was, I thought, significant. You know, we were able to get Mike, um, you know, really going yesterday. And, and, and Justin, just to be able to go on the road, Jim, as you know, is how tough it is in the NFL to go on the road uh, with a quarterback like Justin. You just you always feel like you have a chance. So, Brandon, when you fall behind 14 nothing, was that a matter of you having to gather these guys and remind them, hey, look, we're good, we're fine? Or did they know? What was the mood like and what was being said at that point? Yeah, I think our team's tight. You know, I felt like we they had confidence in the game plan. I know defensively our start was um, definitely – it was disappointing. But I think that after those first two drives, I think that, you know, that group got together and we just calmed down and just started to play our game and, and really battled back. And I thought we made some really big plays in that game, Jim. You know, we had the huge fourth down stop and then um, the red area takeaway. Uh, and then at the end of the game, we had that big stop that forced a long field goal. So there were a lot of good things on defense, but just the way we started um, – was uncharacteristic of us, but I think, you know, just we, the defense, you know, you know, the offense picked up the defense and vice versa. Uh, and I thought our offense, what they did uh, being down 14, nothing is they didn't try to press the issue. They didn't force things. You know how that can go. Like, Hey, you're down 14, nothing. Are you just going to start throwing the ball everywhere? We really stayed committed to our plan and got into rhythm. And, you know, just, I really felt like offensively, I mean, in the, in the middle part of that game just took off and, um, you know, it was just, like I said, it was just an awesome team win for us. Brandon Staley is joining us. You mentioned fourth down, so of course that's going to be a storyline and a theme. Look, this is nothing new, right? We understand your approach, we understand your philosophy, and we understand how aggressive you are, but every situation is different. So what was your thinking, Brandon, yesterday in going for it on fourth and one on your own 46 with 114 left in the game? What was your thought process there? Yeah, just our offense, it had a huge day, and I really liked the matchups that we had, and you know, I had full confidence that, that we would make it with them out of timeouts, that, that we would be, you know, finishing it there on, on our terms, fourth and one and a half. Um, going to trust Justin Herbert and our guys to go to go do it. And I felt like we had the play call and um, I would do the same thing again. And, you know, I also know that there's a lot of scrutiny that comes with it, um, you know, and I take full responsibility um, for all of it. Uh, but, you know, our mindset was to go be aggressive and win that game. You know, it's interesting. You're right. There's going to be scrutiny. We know this. You know that. That's kind of what you signed up for. There's scrutiny from the fans. There's scrutiny from the media. I didn't expect to see scrutiny, though, from Keenan Allen at home. What was your response or reaction to seeing that from him? Yeah, I was I was kind of told about that, uh, you know, in the, in, during our flight. But there's no one that wants to win more than Keenan Allen. You know, he's a captain for us. And, um, you know, I know that uh, there's no, no one that cares more about the Chargers than, than Keenan. Uh, we are extremely close. Um, and I just think, you know, there's a lot of things in competition that happen in the heat of the moment, Jim. And, um, you know, I think that uh, moving forward, I mean, it's only going to bring us closer together. Uh, and um, as you know, in sports, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of big things that happen, you know, and during a game. And, and I know that, uh, you know, moving forward, uh, he and I are going to be closer than ever. 
I was going to say respectfully, that is between you and he, and then disrespectfully, Brandon, I'll just ask. I mean, is that a case whereby you say, my guy, that's not helping matters, or what were you thinking? I mean, do you discuss that with him? Yeah, I mean, Keenan Allen has, has my full respect. Um, you know, Keenan Allen has um, proven himself in, in more ways than one, you know, in his, in his NFL career. And to me, you know, our relationship to me is what I trust and believe in. So, um, you know, that's what you that's what you go back on. And uh, I think that when you're very close with with people and it doesn't matter if it's Keenan or or Derwin or Justin or whomever that Khalil Mack, um, there's going to be times like that in competition. And, and so you just know that that's part of it. And you also know that moving forward that, you know, we're each other's guy. So moving forward, um, I know that we're going to be closer than ever. Brandon Staley is joining us. One one thought. I mean, you you are a really effective communicator. How much of your job is about the very thing we're talking about, about having these tough conversations, about making sure that whatever comes up, you nip that thing in the bud so it doesn't fester and that you don't get kind of sidetracked and forget about something that might be going on over there? I mean, how hard is it to keep track of everything that's going on? Yeah, Jim, what you don't want to have to do is do everything in one moment. You You kind of fall back on a relationship that you've built over time. Uh, that way, when you get to tough moments, like, you know, in any game or in any circumstance that, you know, there's the, there's that belief in one another, you know, and um, if there's disagreements, they're respectful uh, and, and that you trust the person, you know, and I think that that's something that I'm big on here is relationships and competition, that that brings out the best in you. Uh, and that's your number one job as, an end, uh, as a head coach is to be able to communicate to the entire organization, you know, starting with your players, your coaches, ownership, uh, your fans. And that's something I try to do the best I can take you know full ownership and admit when I make mistakes and and just try to keep it moving you know it's interesting Brandon like for instance when you talk to players and I've talked to players over the years and they talk about what it's like to make that transition from year one to year two and how if they go about their job the right way and they prepare the right way and they study the right way it would seem pretty obvious things will slow down it's never easy but things start to slow down if you're a player because you've put in the time you've put in the work you've prepared is it the same way as a coach? Is there a coaching equivalent of, quote, things slowing down? Like, what's it like for you in your second year compared to your first? Oh, Jim, it's the absolute same. It's the absolute same. You know, every year last, you know, every day last year, I was doing something for the first time all the time, you know, and, uh, and now that's not the case. And so I think you're able to make adjustments um, a lot faster. I think you're able to communicate a lot more effectively and you're not as reactive, you're, you're more proactive. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, this, the beginning of this season, Jim, has been a good example of it. You know, we've been able to weather the storm. There's been a lot of things that have changed for us since our first game. Uh, and, and I think you're going to be able to, you know, make those adjustments a lot better when you've done something for the first time. So, uh, again, we're three and two, we're a work in progress. But to win our last two games on the road, uh, to show the, the competitive spirit of our team, to be able to figure it out, uh, I think that that shows you what our team's made of and where we're trying to go. And then finally, what's that do for chemistry and culture and buy-in and everything you're trying to build overall when you can go on the road, come together, and win a couple of tough games? Yeah, Jim, that's where you're going to have to show your chops in the NFL is when it's on the road, it's loud. Hey, you go down 14 nothing. Uh, can you figure it out? You have a couple of guys banged up, and uh, they just have some really gutsy performances. And um, and like you said, there was a lot of things that happened in that game that, that really brought us together where we, where we were able to rally around one another. You know, the big fourth down stop. Hey, a couple of times we went forward on fourth down, didn't get, get it. You know, the other thing, Jim, is we were playing with a backup kicker yesterday 
who was perfect, made all of his kicks, got a game ball, you know, and these are all things that you, you know, these are all things that happen in one game. And that's just how the NFL is. And that's why you need a team in order to be able to do it. And, and I know that we have that and we're a work in progress though. We're going to continue to improve as we go. And that's what we're going to put our focus on um, moving forward to Denver. Brandon, I don't want to sleep on that. You, you gave a game ball to a kicker who, if I'm not mistaken, he showed up on Thursday, right? And started to practice. And then when you need this guy most and you did, he nails every single kick. That's not a small thing. Not, not at all. And he came to practice and showed up and, you know, everyone knew like, wow, this guy's new. And he made all of his kicks in practice. He was like 12 for 12 and he kind of had everyone's attention. And, you know, that's how the NFL is. You show up on a Thursday and you have to be able to perform. And then all of a sudden you get the call up on Sunday. You have to be able to, you know, uh, perform. And, and Taylor's one of us, you know, he's a powder blue and uh, our guys supported him throughout the whole game. And, you know, his, his, his deep snapper, Josh Harris, who's a, who's a vet pro bowler, uh, JK Scott holding for him. And, you know, it, he brought some energy to our team, you know, and I thought that uh, certainly uh, a big moment for him yesterday. And I think definitely, you know, represents, you know, what yesterday was all about for us. Hey, Brandon, one last thought. If there's a 24-hour rule where you don't think about something good or bad for more than 24 hours, as a head coach, if you've got a game coming up on Monday, how long do you give yourself to think about almost nothing? Is there a 24-minute <laughs> rule where you can just sit there and just kind of enjoy what just happened? Well, Jim, I think – the only time you're really not thinking about anything is if you're asleep. Uh, so hopefully you get, get some rest. Um, cause truthfully, that's probably the only time you're not thinking about getting better is when you're sleeping. Uh, but I think for us is we're going to try and take advantage of the time we have. You know, we get an extra day, and we're going to try and take advantage of it with the rest. Um, and then, you know, getting our team at full strength for Monday, uh, going against a really quality team. Uh, but, you know, yesterday there are going to be a lot of things that we need to learn from, you know, both, both, both good and bad and somewhere in the middle. So today we got to, you know, get after it. Uh, and, and, and you got to bring out that competitive side, that learning side of you where you're always trying to improve. So um, and about here in about an hour, we're going to get that process going. I got it. Three and two. Big win on the road against Cleveland. Next up, the Broncos Monday night. Brandon Staley is the head coach of the Chargers. Brandon, great to have you back. Thanks so much. Good talking to you as always. Jim, thanks a bunch, man. Hey, now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender. And it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness. Teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see exactly what you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? We're never all going to agree. There's going to be certain things that we disagree on. And that doesn't mean that I'm right and it does mean that you're wrong. Although if you disagree with me, generally you are wrong. However, that's not always the case. I'm wrong. All right, I'll own it. I'm wrong quite a bit. But there's a difference between a difference of opinion and making crap up.
There's a big difference. We can agree to disagree. We can be on the opposite side of points, but you can't just make crap up. That's not how that works. As an example, this guy writes, Big head, you're killing me. I have him 0-5-1 so far this week, and he's got Niners minus 6.5 tonight. Signed, Ken S. My man, the hell is the matter with you? This is what I'm saying. You can't just make crap up. That's a lie. That's factually inaccurate. We can give you the information, but we can't fill in the bubbles for you. We can give you our thoughts, our opinions, our data, our insight, but we can't hit click or send for you. And by the way, you're lying. That's just not true. Quote, he's got Niners minus six and a half tonight. Hey, genius, we cashed that ticket already last night. That's not true. They're not playing tonight. Apology accepted, Broham. Don't make crap up. What do you mean, big head, you're killing me? I have him 0-5-1. My dude, you may have him 0-5-1, but reality has him 4-2-1. We all, You're lost. What are you doing? What do you mean you have him 0-5-1? We already cashed... Niners minus six and a half. They won by 22. The number might have even been seven. I don't recall. I just know we won. So what are you doing? Stop doing that. Hey, and by the way, there was another one I saw. This is how backwards some of you have it. Check out Douglas Rupert at Big Head Bets. Can't go 4-2-1. and one. At least he admitted Admitted that we're 4-2-1 or that James Kelly was 4-2-1. He goes, you can't go 4-2-1 without losing two games. I don't know, bro. Like, I'm not a rocket scientist or a statistician or a mathematician, but it seems to me that if I bet 4-2-1 and I bet consistent units, I made money. I didn't lose money. What is it not to understand about that? However, however... If you don't like us, if you don't like our approach, if you don't like our picks, great. Great. I'm not saying you're wrong. Great. Fade us. Fade us at your own risk, but fade us. If your opinion is they don't know what the hell they're talking about and they don't know what they're doing, you know how I make money? You know what my system is? I do the opposite of what Big Head James Kelly says, or I do the opposite of what Rome does. Great. Fade us. But don't say dumb things like you can't go 4-2-1 without losing two games. Right. Or winning four games. How about that? P.S. Or winning four games. They're bad takes. You know what this is? This is you having nothing better to do but to hate. But if you want to hate, that's fine. I'm not even saying, well, don't listen. I'm saying, listen. Keep listening. Oh, no, I want you to listen. I would never say don't listen. I want you to download. I want you to listen. Yeah, well, we're going to give you a bad review. Fine, fine. Fade us. Give me a bad review. Because you know what? When my head hits the pillow at night, I know we've done our work. I know we've done our research. I know I've given you a good product. And you know what I know most of all? Do you know what I know most of all? 
if we lose after giving you a pick, it's not because we haven't done our research and given you a good pick. It's because those players didn't do their job. They didn't execute. We did. I love our picks. Even when I don't agree with James Kelly, my pick is well-reasoned. Kelly's picks are well-reasoned. You got that? Even when we picked the game incorrectly, it's still not our fault. We did our job. We prepared accordingly. They didn't execute. Take it out on them, not me and James Kelly. Or you know what? Go ahead. Take it out on us. Take it out on us. But at least do this. At least do this. Don't make crap up about how you have Kelly 05-1 because that's not true. And also don't say things like, you can't go 4-2-1 without two losses. You made money. What are you complaining about? Some of you don't really understand it. And it's really not even your fault because you're new to it. We're trying to help you. Hey, Rome. Good show, dude. I guess the way to sack TB45 is to pick him up, walk him out of bounds, and gently place his decrepit ass onto the bench. Ridiculous, Rome. Totally ridiculous, Rome. Yeah, like I said, I I hate to make it the ref show, but in terms of Boger, either he needs a demotion or he needs to find a new line of work. That's not a one-off. That's not one bad day. That's not one bad call. That's the worst call. That makes no sense at all. At all. Jesse in El Paso writes, Hey, Jim, has anyone tweeted you about Donovan McBlob's unsightly weight gain yet? Hey, Tommy, do me a favor. Throw those earbuds in so I can ask you a question. Mondays are great because there's so much content. There's NFL. There's college football. We have the MLB playoffs. Oh, by the way, the Mets choked again which you knew they would. There's so many things to talk about. That said, Tom, you tell me. Give me an idea, and I'm guessing, but let me guess. You're inundated with different ways of people calling Donovan McNabb fat. I'm drowning in it, yeah. (laughs) You're drowning in it. Say more than 50 messages so far, probably a lot more. Oh, it's got to be more than 50, right? I'm looking Uh, at 50 on my screen. We're going on like 70, I think. 70 or 70%? More than 70%. Isn't it so much easier to call a guy fat than to, well, use your head and think about anything else? Almost exclusively fat smack today. Isn't that why you came from New York to California to work for me so you could open up the Twitter app and see whoever turned fat that week called fat by everybody? All the way out here to swim in fat smack. There you go. And you get paid for it. Nice job. Keep it up. All right. So that's, like I said, the gatekeeper. He... Runs through your phone calls. He runs through your tweets and always seeing and hearing. Are people who want to come in here and say Donovan McNabb is fat? Just one quick question. What is your fascination with an athlete gaining a pound or 50? And I know you're not all shredded. You're all walking around like you're Bruce Lee or something. I know you're not. But if it makes you feel better about you, go right ahead. I'm trying to get to things of substance. 
but I can't delete the Donovan McNabb is fat tweets and emails faster than they're coming in. I'm fighting a losing battle. I'm swimming upstream. I feel like it's one of those unsubscribe buttons that I hit that every time I hit unsubscribe, it leads to 10 new ones. Every time I hit delete on Donovan McFlab or Donovan McRib, I feel like there's 15 more that take its place. Like this. Hey, Rome, which of these is your favorite? Ton of man, McDonald's, Donna, Donna Pancakes McSlob, Domino's McBlob, or Denny's Man Grand Slam? Chad from Orlando, he literally had the audacity to ask, which one is your favorite? Hey, Chad, they all suck. Pretty much like all your submissions. You got to do better. We have a Philadelphia Eagle team that is the last undefeated team in the NFL. They go to Arizona. Philly fan takes over that house. They grind out a tough win. And all you have to say about that is, hey, Rome, did you see how fat Donovan McNabb is? Did you see him after the game? Even Philly fan at least has the wherewithal to say, hey, man, I don't want that guy coming around. That guy was talking junk about us a week ago. I'm trying to talk football here. Why won't you let me? I'm not trying to talk body fat or what happened to an athlete. Let me just finish the one thought that I had last hour before Alvin hit me with a break. Break. I am fascinated by some athletes who when they get to the finish line and their playing days are over and they have spent their entire lifetimes literally denying themselves, right? Denying themselves, doing the right thing, eating the right thing, abstaining from things that would interfere with them being the best version of themselves. And then when they finally get there and they've got money in the bank and they no longer have to train like that, they say, you know what? It's on. Now I'm going to get mine. Now I'm going to eat what I want when I want. Now I'm going to drink what I want when I want. Now I'm going to stay up as late as I want. Now I'm going to vacation. Like, I get it. I get it. You can only imagine what it must be like. But then I have such profound respect for some of those guys. And you see some athletes get into their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, and they look like they could still play. It's a lifestyle thing. They still look amazing. And you know they're still working out because it's a lifestyle thing. I'm just amazed by that. However, if a guy does let himself go and that's his decision, that's his decision. I don't obsess over it and get on Twitter and just keep piling on like some of you do. Don't you have enough to worry about with your own life? Shouldn't you be worried about your own health? Wait a minute. Uh, Mind blown. Shouldn't you be more worried about your own health and your own blood pressure and your own cholesterol than somebody you've never met before or does that make you skinnier I I didn't know there was like this action this cause and effect thing between you calling Donovan McNabb fat and you getting in better shape it's almost like you've decided I don't need to work out I can just get on my keyboard thumb out or type out all these tweets and emails to Rome calling Donovan McNabb fat And then I'll be shredded. Like there's this inverse relationship. Trust me, there's not. Just own it. Yeah, Rome, but I think it's funny and it makes me feel better about me because I am fat. I'm fatter than he is. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Just own that. 
Why do I have a fat alarm? Because you all, every time anybody gains one pound, you jump in here. Let me tell you something. I can tell you this straight up. If Randall Cunningham went to visit Jalen Hurts after that game, there is no way I'd have to deal with this slob or this mess right now. And I don't mean he's a slob. I mean your slovenly Twitter habits. That's what I'm saying. I bet if Randall Cunningham went to visit Jalen Hurts, I would not have any of this. I don't know. What if Dick Vermeil showed up? I bet I wouldn't have to deal with this. What if the Detmer bros showed up? I bet I would not be dealing with all this. I bet if Jason Avant showed up, I wouldn't have to deal with all this. Thank you. I bet if Nick Foles showed up, I would not be dealing with this. Something else, but not this. I would tell you to do better, but I already know you can't. All right, so what I still want to get into is Draymond Green. We've seen the video. Draymond was apologetic. Draymond left the team. Draymond said it was bullcrap, though, that the video was leaked. The Warriors apparently were going to conduct an investigation also into how that video got leaked. I mean, that's part of the story, but can I tell you something? Another spoiler alert. If he doesn't punch a guy in the face, there's nothing to leak. But I want to get into all that. And where does that leave Draymond now? Now what? Now what? How does he fix that? Can he fix that? How much of that sticks to him? What's that do to him going forward? All of that still ahead. And I do want to talk about what happened in college football over the weekend, too. You know what I want to talk about? Almost anything except Donovan McNabb being fat. It's just not that smart. I don't care. I don't care. He's not fighting. Hold on, Albie. There's no weigh in this week. He doesn't have to make weight. There's no catch weight. There's no championship fight. He doesn't need to get on a scale. He doesn't need to make weight. So why is his weight an issue today? Because you're lazy. Here's the irony. Calling him fat is an extremely fat take. You follow me? It's lazy and fat. You follow me, camera guy? So what is the fastest ball sport in the world? Not baseball, not tennis. In fact, it is the sport of highlight, spelled J-A-I-A-L-A-I. Originating in the Basque region of Spain, and played professionally in the U.S., most notably in the 1980s. Hyla is making an unprecedented comeback. The ball reaches speeds of 150 miles per hour. The action is intense. The danger factor is high. Six-person teams of professional athletes play the sport at the Magic City Fronton in Miami, Florida. I invite you to check out all the action Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. and Friday night at 7 p.m. Go to HighLightWorld.com or download the free Highlight app in the App Store. The sport with its intensity and athleticism is well worth watching. Check out all the action at HighlightWorld.com. Matches are played similar to tennis with a player or team required to win two sets to win a match. Each set is played up to six points. It is a sport you need to check out. HighlightWorld.com. Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m. He is Charles Robinson. Charles, what's up? How are you? What's going on, brother? What's up, dude? How you feeling? I'm good. We got the first 
coach firing down the pipeline. I guess this means the the season has officially uh, – now we're really kicked off. Guys are losing their jobs. Officially, that's where I was going to start. So why don't we talk about that? Matt Rule fired by the Panthers. It seemed pretty inevitable, right? Like it was more a matter of when than a question of if. Is there anything that surprises you about that move? No, I look, I think Matt knew when the season started that, that he was on the clock, that uh, it was going to be really important for the offense to look good, to take strides with Baker Mayfield, um, you know, for that offensive line, which had added talent to, you know, show some chemistry. I mean, there was a laundry list of things that had to basically occur for him to keep his job. And very few of them really came to fruition. I think that, you know, the talent's there, but when you look back at the expanse of his career, I, I personally think it was undone by quarterback. You know, they, they tried to begin his regime with Teddy Bridgewater. It was a bad call. I think everybody in the franchise agreed that, um, you know, when they pushed in on Teddy, um, I think they overextended themselves and what they thought, you know, his ceiling ultimately could be. Um, and then, you know, you go through a washed Cam Newton, you go through a washed Sam Darnold, and, you know, Baker Mayfield sh- certainly hasn't shown signs of, really returning, I think, even to his early career form with the Browns. Um, it's just really hard to get your, your franchise turned around when you are continually investing at the quarterback spot and making mistakes. And then in, right in the middle of it, they went through a really serious consideration of Deshaun Watson. Um, and ultimately, it just it was about the assets, the commitment, and then everything that was hanging over Watson that just couldn't make it happen. And once it was clear that, that you know, they weren't going to be able to, to bring in a talent like that, it undermined, I think, what Rule's long-term plan was, which was to build a, a strong roster, add talent, um, work with the GM, Scott Fitter, and eventually put um, a, a veteran quarterback in the middle of that who could really turn the key on the roster, maybe the way a Matt Stafford did with the Rams. But, you know, the clock ran out, and I think David Tepper – He's uh, he has not turned out to be the most patient owner in the NFL, but you also cannot blame him in, in this instance. There were just not a lot of returns for the money he paid in that rule. Charles Robinson is joining us. All right, because you mentioned Matt Stafford. Let me ask you about that. Dallas comes into L.A. They do the defending world champs. They drop the Rams to two and three. Generally, how concerned should the Rams be? And specifically, how concerned should they be about Matthew Stafford? I mean, I would definitely be worried if you're the Rams because you're seeing, I think, a little bit of the blowback for, you know, the star chasing, which I get it. We all bought into it. We all said, hey, you know, look, the, they're, they're top heavy with stars and they go and they get the guys. Uh, you just when I went through there in training camp, the interesting thing was when I talked to them about that formula, one of the things that, you know, Sean McVay, uh, Les Need. Um, both talked about is when you when you make that commitment, you really have to hit on all of them because you're giving up not just cap space, you're giving up um, not just a position, but in some instances you're giving up draft picks as well. You look at Allen Robinson; he's not he's just not contributing. I think the way that they thought he would, he is not um, connected with Matt Stafford. The trust is clearly not there. So that's one small part of the problem. But I think the microcosm of it is when you look at that offensive line. Without Andrew Whitworth there, without your anchor to kind of try to solidify at least one part of it, the chemistry, that line has really struggled. It's not something that's easy to change out in the middle of a season. And so they're going to kind of go through it with protection problems. And then on top of it, as I said, the Allen Robinson connection not really being there, it's it's problematic when you're so designed to be a top-heavy team and don't have an ability to pivot 
and then offensive line's not gelling. And as you said, Matt Stavridis taking punishment right now. He looked hurt um, against the Cowboys. I mean, he looked in pain at times. And remember, you're already coming in with a guy who's on a pitch count with his elbow uh, in the off season. He's got elbow tendonitis. It, you don't want him taking punishment, but now he looks like he's in a position where any time they play a defense that's capable of rushing the passer, particularly with a four-man front, they're going to suffer in those games, and, and that's not good for a team that I really thought had Super Bowl potential under. Yeah, no doubt. He looks battered already. Charles Robinson joining us. All right, in terms of getting after the quarterback, like I hate to make it about the ref show. I said this earlier, but I'm going to make oh, it about man. the ref show. Ever see a worse roughing the passer penalty than the one Tom Brady was gifted yesterday? I know it feels like we say it a lot, right? We've seen other roughing the passer calls in the past. We went through the whole Clay Matthews season where there were a couple, and we're just like, this. Like, what are these guys supposed to do? This looks terrible. I, look, uh, look, Grady Jarrett, I, legitimately the Falcons, I don't know what Jerome Boger saw. Um, I mean, even Tony Dungy's on TV last night saying, hey, I called the league office, and I asked them, explain to me what is roughing the passer so I can understand how this qualified. And Tony said, nothing in the definition fit what I watched on film with Grady Jarrett. You got a guy who comes off the edge, wraps his arms around Tom Brady's waist. Um, you know, I didn't think it was, he didn't violently toss him in any manner. He didn't, I mean, it was just a normal takedown. Tom Brady said, hey, I don't throw the flags. Even Tom Brady seemed to be like, what, what do you want me to do about it? And yet you got Jerome Boer now with yet another bad roughing the passer call that changes, not change, it potentially changed the dynamic of that game. Maybe the Falcons get the punt. Maybe they go down, they score, they win this game. That wasn't guaranteed. But at the very least, it took something off the table for the Falcons. And if, you, if you're the league, you either have to get the officials in the room and explain what this is, and you can't be blowing calls and changing potentially changing games, or you got to take Jerome Boger and say, hey, you know what, um, there's, there's a demotion here. There's a demerit. There's something you have to be held accountable for making the wrong call in back-to-back weeks because he had the one with Josh Allen against the Ravens. 100%. If I'm a defensive player, I have no idea right now what is roughing the passer and what's not. Let me ask you this. If you're, and I'm moving around, but if you're the Packers and you never wanted to go to London in the first place and you were the only team that had never been, well, now we know why, right? You go there and you <laughs> blow a 17-3 lead to the Giants. How long do you think that flight home felt? I mean, that game... I... I don't want to do a disservice to the Giants here because the New York Giants under Brian Dayball, they look like there's some juice there. Saquon Barkley being healthy absolutely clearly matters. Um, but that's just a game that if if you're the Packers, you've dumped resources into the defense. You brought Aaron Rodgers back on the big contract. You know, you're you're in an NFC that's technically supposed to be weak. You have to be able to win. I don't care if it's in London. I don't care if it's in Antarctica. you got to be able to win that game against the Giants, regardless of what their record is. And not only is it a long flight because you're sitting there going, we just lost the game, we blew a game, we traveled all the way here, we probably didn't even want to be here. But you lost it in a fashion that moving forward, it's concerning because you're looking at the Packers, particularly offensively, you're going, you're, you're back to square one. you got this quarterback who doesn't have Devontae Adams, the worst thing is coming to reality, and he's now turned Randall Cobb back into his most trusted number one option. That is not a step forward for your offense. When he throws it downfield, Aaron Rodgers, when he throws it downfield, it looks odd. It looks off. It's not there's, – there's just nothing smooth about it. The Packers offensively, I mean, look, they've still got plenty of talent there, particularly defensively, to win football games. But I, I, unless you go out and acquire – 
um, a, a wide receiver or magically one of these young guys suddenly has a connection with Rodgers. I don't know what's really changing in that pass or passing game, and it kind of feels a little bit like we're going back to that same conversation with Rodgers and the pieces that he's got around him, only you don't have Adams this time. Right. So let me ask something really quickly. Uh, you posed a pretty interesting question, I thought, on Twitter yesterday. Quote, when did sports Twitter generate all these, quote, that injury is because he is vaccinated weirdos? Yeah. Did you yeah. get an answer to that question? A good answer. I, I No, I mean, I don't even I, – I probably should have noticed this. Or I actually I noticed it a day earlier when Mike Hart had collapsed when Michigan was playing Indiana and, you know, I'm kind of reading up on it, trying to figure out, you know, what's, what's going on here. And I'm seeing all these people saying it's a vaccination, it's a vaccination, it's a vaccination. And then when I noticed on, on Sunday, you know, obviously you have a, a player go down with the Detroit lions and ambulance comes on the field. And I start to see some of the same trend. Next thing I know, I'm looking around and I asked that question. I, people are like, Hey, have you not been paying attention? Like, this is now the new thing where, you know, people who are anti-vaccination are saying every single time there's some kind of injury that people think is neurological or heart related in any way. It's automatically you see all these emojis of needles. That's it's all I, I, I don't I don't understand it. And by the way, Jim, this is stuff that's been going on in the NFL for years and years. There's been head injuries. There's been cardiac uh, issues in the past in the NFL. It's it's really not unusual, but now we've found a new thing to, to attach to an issue that shouldn't even be political. It should be, you know, purely scientific. And it's I don't I don't I just shrug. I don't know how to get through Sundays anymore. Sports Twitter, my brother. Sports Twitter. The worst. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Twitter is both the best and worst thing ever. He's a senior NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports. He's co-host of You Pod to Win the Game. He is a proud Michigan State alum. Good, good friend of the program. He is Charles Robinson. Dude, you know I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks for the line, Jim. Let's go to Los Angeles. <laughs> my man, Matt. What's up, Matt? Romy Rome since the days that 34 was rocked in Los Angeles by the likes of Valenzuela and Bo Jackson. I've had your back. For that, you're welcome. Today I'm coming in to get some jungle karma for my Dodgers and my Raiders, both going into some big-time matchups. Dodgers looking to sweep the Padres, I'm calling it right now. And tonight, upset special. Raider Nation will go into KC and kick some ass as the Raiders shock the world 27 to 25 over Mahomes and his girly like curls. That's all I got for you, Jim. Aloha means a hola. Outro. You know, something weird just transpired. And it happened at almost exactly the same time. He said, since the numbers 34. Fernando Valenzuela and Bo Jackson. I have had your back, Romulus. 34. You're welcome. How do you repay that? How do you repay that? Oh, I know. With a golden ticket. I got a golden ticket. Give it to him, Alvin. I got a golden ticket. I don't give a damn, clones. My bleeping show. If I'm talking about anything other than football on a Monday and it's in the fall, it means something else important happened, and that's the Draymond Green story. And the fallout continues from Draymond cold-cocking Jordan Poole last week. 
And as we discussed at length on Friday, you know, I had my thoughts after it happened. And then I said, after it happened, and I saw the initial report, there's only so much I can really say about this. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't feel right. It sounds like Draymond made a big mistake. However, however, I wasn't there. I haven't spoken to anybody on the inside who was there. And most of all, from where I'm standing or sitting, I have not seen video. Then the video dropped. The video leaked. And then after the video, as always, when there is video, that changes everything. All these stories are so much different if there is video. And there was. For instance, if there was no video, we're probably not even talking about this today. If there's no video, that story probably goes away as your standard run-of-the-mill disagreement among teammates and then the organization saying, we will handle it from within. We're not going to get into this because they don't have to. You know, they can circle the wagons and say that it is a family matter, an internal matter, and they do not have to address it with any of us until the video gets out and then they have no choice. But because there is that video, now you've got a whole lot of unanswered questions. Even after Draymond offered up a public apology on Saturday and announced that he would be, quote, stepping away from the team indefinitely. I was wrong for my actions that took place on Wednesday. And for that, you know, I have apologized to my team. Um, I have apologized to Jordan. And I wanted to take that a step further. Uh, You know, with the video leaking, there is a a um, huge embarrassment that comes with that, not, not only for myself as, as, as I was the one that committed the action, the embarrassment that comes for me uh, is what it is, and that's something that I have to deal with. But the embarrassment that Jordan has to deal with, that this team has to deal with, that this organization has to deal with, but also uh, Jordan's family. You know, uh, His family saw that video. His mother, his father saw that video. And... Quite frankly, if, if my mother saw that video, I know how my mother would feel. I know what her reaction would be, and I know what her next step would be. And so for that, I apologize to his mother and his father and you know his family, his friends that care for him, uh, because that is a, a sense of or a level of embarrassment that they have to deal with, too. I think as apologies go, that's a good one. I think that he sounded sincere. I think that was authentic. I think that he meant that. We know Draymond and how close he is to his mother. You know, I like what he said, that if my mom had to see that, if my mother had to deal with that, that would not go well. So I would imagine it's not going well for Jordan Poole and his family and his parents. You know, the last thing that he could do in a situation like that is go with that proverbial, if anyone was offended, non-apology, apology. Apology. Because after seeing him aggressively close the distance and move in on a much smaller dude and punch him in the face the way he did, pretty much everybody was offended. And if not everybody, then everybody that matters. Listen, again, this has always been a big Draymond Green house. I've been talking with him, interviewing him, supporting him, defending him going all the way back to his days at Michigan State. But frankly, there's nothing about that that I can support or defend, frankly. And yes, I'm well aware that there is a rat in that house. There's somebody who jammed him 
and the organization by leaking that video to TMZ. Somebody who not only wanted to get paid, but somebody who wanted to jam Draymond and the organization. I mean, there's a rat in that house. And I could see where Draymond would be angry about that. I could see whereby the organization would be angry about that. Because when you think about that organization, that's one of the great organizations in all of sport. That's an organization that has amazing culture. So not only is that the optics on that terrible, not only is that embarrassing, not only is that just bad for business, now they have to deal with something. And there's always something you have to deal with, right? There's always something. There's always something. But that is an organization that prides itself on great, great culture. The culture is not that great if you've got a rat looking to bring them all down. Now, that might be one rogue rat. But there is somebody in that building that wanted to do what they did. And they did. So if Draymond is pissed about that, if the organization is pissed about that, I can understand it, but that's not the point. That's really not the point. I just want to make the point that there is a rat in that house, so the culture is not perfect. But that's missing the point. You see, if Draymond does not get hooked by whatever it is he got hooked by, and again, I've got a lot of respect for Draymond and a lot of history with Draymond, but Draymond can get hooked now. That's not the first time Draymond's gotten hooked by somebody or something. He runs really hot. Now, the point that I also made about Draymond was him running on that kind of fuel and him running as hot as he does is what got him to the NBA. Not only got him to the NBA, but made him a star in the NBA. And I don't care what you think of this guy. He is a big reason why they're the dynasty that they are. His defensive play, his play with the pick and roll, his demeanor, his attitude, his attitude. His grind, his work ethic, his ferocity, all those things. But they get him in trouble, and he does get hooked. Whatever it was that he got hooked by, whether it was Poole's trash talk, whether it was Poole's alleged, alleged training camp demeanor, because you've seen those stories, whether it was the alleged contractual status of Draymond looking for a long-term deal and not having it yet, and having to have one of those show-me deals. And let's face it, Draymond did not play great last year. And he had some moments when it mattered most, but then other moments where he didn't show that well. Whatever it was, whatever it was, if he doesn't get hooked and completely lose it and punch his younger teammate in the face, younger, smaller teammate in the face, there is nothing to leak. So it's not about the leak. They might be disappointed. They might be pissed. But it's not about that. If he doesn't punch him in the face, there is nothing to leak. And in terms of what happened, I don't know what was said between the two of them. I don't even care. Because whatever it was, it still didn't justify Draymond clocking a guard the way he did. That's not on pool. Nor is it on the rat who leaked it. That's on Draymond. Again, If he doesn't punch this dude in the face, there is nothing to leak. And I don't want to hear about how these things happen all the time. Or that Draymond's own coach got his eye dotted back in the day by MJ. I don't care about any of that either. And again, like I hate that I have to do this because I'm a big Draymond guy. 
But Draymond is one of the leaders of this dynastic organization. Draymond is a guy with four rings. Draymond potentially is going to get that Hall of Fame invite. He has to know better. He can't do that. And finally, don't tell me Poole put hands on him so he got what he had coming to him. You've seen the tape. Draymond aggressively closed that distance. Closed that distance between the two of them and made contact first. And it's not just one bad day. You know, according to reports, it had been building and boiling. So, unfortunately, it's going to become a defining moment for Draymond. How much remains to be seen. But it's going to stick to him. Because there's video. It's going to stick to him. And that decision and an inability to check himself in that moment could cost him dearly. It could cost him a ton of dough. And it can be extremely damaging to his rep and his legacy. You see, now... If Golden State, maybe they had already decided, or even if they hadn't, now if they do let him walk, they have appropriate cover if they do. He just gave it to them. And in the meantime, you know, he said, now I've got to make it right. You know, I apologize to Jordan. I apologize to his family. I apologize to my teammates. But how do you make that right? How do you make it right with Poole? How do you make it right with your own teammates? How do you make it right with your organization? Can they look at that and say, that's just Draymond being Draymond? I, I, I don't know that you can do that. How does he repair his relationship with Poole after trying to rearrange his face? So now Draymond's going to leave the team and do some hard work on himself. And, you know, frankly, what choice did he have? If he's going to do that hard work, it's got to start with extreme ownership. It sounded like it when he apologized, but he's got no one to blame but himself. You can't blame Poole. You can't blame the rogue that leaked it. He's got to own that completely. Good night now!